you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Brought to you by Mind Architecture. Building worlds for your mind. Set the settings every single time. Okay. So let's reset the settings every single time we do something. <laughs> it, it really is odd. I would have thought that once people knew that multiple people were using multiple streaming things, that they would automatically do the polite thing of saving existing settings, going into with theirs, and then restoring how it was when they leave. They right. don't. Yeah. They want to act as if they're the only one that you use because that's and, kind of what you do. <laughs> and even worse, I've got to go into my Windows settings and check those. I've got to go into my Zoom settings and check those. I have to check to make sure I don't have Zencaster open anywhere because that'll steal it all. So it's a it just it's a nightmare sometimes. Yeah. I'm realizing that my choice of shirt today might be better contrasted with a library or something like that. <laughs> there we go. Okay. I was, I was getting lost in the ocean tarn. Wouldn't want you to get lost. <laughs> <laughs> How's Alan? What's been going on? Let's see. So this is funny. One of the things I've just been working on, which is a very much RG topic, is we, Colleen retired. We've been transforming the house because we had kind of let her business take over the first floor of our house. She had a big desk and filing cabinets and a return to the side and cables and everything. And now that all that stuff, not only has she sent some things back to work, shredded a whole bunch of stuff. We actually had a shredding service that comes and does it right in your driveway so that they prove to you it really is destroyed. Here it is being fed into the big machine. Then we got the daughter of her best friend to take all the office furniture. She really needed a nice office setup. And this stuff is like high quality stuff. Steel case getting it out of the house, as you might imagine, was, wow, this is like heavy white dwarf star material and... Got to flip it on the side to get it. It's wider than the front door. So without, I hope that we didn't scar it too much. It was on the rug. But then once you get to the return of the door, there's like wood and maybe a nail jutting up. And I just don't want it to be. It's been kept in great condition for eight years. And then on the way out of the house is where. So we tried to do all that we could. I'm reminded of the joy of going up and downstairs with something heavy where you're on the bottom and you carry all the weight or you're on the top and you're lifting it at ankle height. And I'm just, I still think I'm okay shape, pretty strong. But when you don't do that all the time, that you do an abrupt thing, it's like, here's the formula for throwing your back out. Me and Jason, nobody seemed to have problems. And Sarah was very much good at taking the third side, spotting and so forth. She's a strong lady. So she was right in on it. Having said all that, now we had the first floor of the house back. So we brought our dining room table back into play and we're going to put the leaves in. We really have a table. What does that mean, getting to the relentless geekery part of it? We have a table we can do jigsaw puzzles on now. <laughs> we have so much not done that for eight years. And I find that a very meditative thing. I know it's not like a big accomplishment. It's only solving a puzzle and it doesn't change the world. But for keeping you mentally sharp, for being able to do color matching and pattern matching and just the joy of going from chaos to order, it's a cool thing. Right. It's something I think many people, families or couples do is, you just sit around the table chattering and you get your own. There's a 
I actually, one of the very first posts I ever wrote for Mensa was about how people do jigsaw puzzles. And there's some people that they have to make the entire frame before they can do any of the interior because you got to set the stage. And there are some people like, oh, do the face. And they grab the Statue of Liberty pieces that are hopefully the face, even though you can't necessarily distinguish right. it by the green. And that people get really defensive about, no, the begonias are mine. You can't have any of the flower pieces. And some people, the scoundrels of the world, they'll like take a piece and pocket it so they can be the one to put the last piece in. Who does that? <laughs> so we are really looking for, and Colleen and I have, I just posted something to Facebook and I have lots of cool friends. So we now have room for this thing to happen. And I started to investigate. And I don't know. I don't want to go buy a jigsaw puzzle for 15 bucks. It seems like it's one of those perfect things for a swap thing. When you have a tool that you only use once a year, but if the neighborhood had access to that tool, everybody would edge their lawns or everybody would have the paint thing that instead of dipping a roller in, it continually supplies paint through the right. wall. People have given me all kinds of great ideas for go to the local library and either they have some to check out or there's a swap meet. Go to Facebook Marketplace and there's tons of puzzles available for $5 or even less if you do a set of them. I checked into various different manufacturers. I get mailings from all these places and bits and pieces and, and white mountain and all kinds of places ravensburger have really nice puzzles but they are and not only 15 bucks but you can actually go a uh, premium brand where they're beautiful wood and they actually have some of the little pieces are oh that's I... a butterfly that's a dachshund the thing and yet i'm i don't know i like just the idea of doing a puzzle without it having to be and maybe after I do some flimsy puzzles, I'll be like, oh, don't get this brand anymore. They're really made out of like wet cardboard and stuff yeah, right. that snaps into place. You want that? So I, I'd like, I had a dozen, dozens of friends just saying, we can swap. Or here's a place that I know you can go to. There's a buy nothing group. There's a free cycle group. Jigsaw puzzles just seem like a natural that we can get into this hobby without it being, and there's another $1,000 expense. Hey, doesn't have to be. They're 20, 30 bucks. Yeah. And our own set of puzzles that we can go to the swap meet. And at, I don't know, we tend to not redo puzzles. We have the joy of doing it. We don't then, some people do it and they put the, they glue it to a board or something right. like that, get into a permanent picture. And I don't know, I don't do that. I don't need to display that accomplishment. Almost always, if I want that print, I kind of want to print without all the little <laughs> cutouts of all the pieces interfering with the flow of the picture. Right. You know what I mean? So I do have one puzzle that we did several years ago that we did decoupage up and hang on the wall, but it was a bunch of star Wars, Marvel comic covers. So yeah. it was a collection and it looks pretty cool. And then right. I, I ended up somewhere down the road and I have no idea. I couldn't trace the history of all of this, but I had when the uh, special edition of star Wars came out, I ended mm -hmm. up with a new hope puzzle for the special edition. I don't okay. even remember where it came from. Probably some eBay auction that I got back yeah. in the day. And then this is a, a little, but when my first wife's grandmother was dying, we were over visiting her and I happened to look over. I'm like, oh my gosh, you've got the Empire Strikes Back puzzle. It goes with my other one. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And I thought I was just excited to see it. And she goes, well, go ahead and take it. Yeah. And she's like, go ahead and take it. And I'm like, oh, I couldn't take your puzzle. She goes, I'm dying. I don't need it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And you know, that really weird feeling. I understand the logic of it, but it makes me feel weird. But I've got yeah, like that. scavenger or something. But no, she's giving it in generosity. Yes. Yeah. And I saw the Return of the Jedi one at the Hartville Flea Market a while back. 
And so I'm like, you have the set of the original. Yes. And then, okay. And I was like, okay, I got to come back here and I'll be, and then they left before, and I've been looking for them all summer when we go out there to sell stuff. Right. So, it's the 815, 1215 Bill Cosby store that I told you. You see it once so you know it exists. And then you spend years trying yes. to find out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did end up, and I will get back to puzzles in a second. I did end up with a great game I've been looking for. It is one of those rare games that is super fun, but they don't make it anymore. They've not reissued it. It's even hard to find on eBay. Like I have an alert that only comes up once every five or six weeks that somebody put it on eBay, and it's a hundred, hundred twenty dollars regularly for this wow. game. What is it's, it? What I've heard of it. Maybe it's Star Trek five-year mission dice cooperative game. So you have missions and, every, and you're rolling dice and you put your dice on the complete missions and everybody yeah. has to work together because there's like a pool of dice. Uh, exactly. uh, and it's just really fun. I've been looking for it. I found it at the flea market Saturday and I was looking at it and the guy, I said, how much you want for your games? He goes, it depends on what game you want. And I'm like, God, Damn. And I said, okay, the Star Trek one. He says, you like that one, don't you? I said, how? Oh, so <laughs> and he says, I'm asking 10 bucks. Oh, please take my money. Right. Take my $10. It really is fun when you expect to really get maybe raked over the coals and then it's a very reasonable price. It's, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, I disrupted the whole puzzle no, speech. Yeah. And actually, all of those things, like we, we have a table to game on now. And so we can actually, not only can she and I play Scrabble and so forth more easy than just doing it on the coffee table that's got her work stuff on it anyway, but we can have, oh my God, friends over to play games, friends over to have dinner. We, we really have, honestly, eight years taken ourselves out of that really basic, we've been over to friends' houses for things and then we can't reciprocate. And so it's all bacon, extra bread, or all, what can I do to make it? Opening up your house to someone is really a wonderful, generous thing. And you usually do swap back and forth, just so right. it's even, whatever that karmic thing is. And we've not been able to do it. So we have a whole long list of who we want to invite and who we owe a dinner to and those kinds of things. That'll be fun. And Nick even Kelly, you're coming over soon. You know, if you're listening even more exciting there is there's been a crop. Games have picked up a lot in recent years, recent couple of decades. And they have these things now that are the table toppers. So you custom fit it onto your dining room table and it has little sides, it has okay. cups to hold dice. It has the felt top for rolling and putting cards on. These game playing tabletops that fit right on your dining room table. I had not seen those. That's a great idea. I knew that they used to actually make gaming tables for right. poker. You'd have it's got a drink holder and a place to put your chips and little racks and stuff like that. And it was eight sided because that's the maybe the optimum number of people you want to have. I really have always wanted one of those, but I've never had the house that I could dedicate that room to it. Sometimes they'd actually also have it like on top of it. You can put a little thing where it's also remember this where they used to have like little puffers for playing pool with an air driven. Right. I think what hit the octagon. It was something like that. I always thought that it was cool to have a pool table. It also had a ping pong top that could go on top yes. of it. So we, it's a renaissance in the House Baltus in Baltimore Estates to be able to have the room and the table and the ability to invite and that kind of stuff. And like I said, Jigsaw Puzzles, it just is, it's very cool to go back in. And I don't know, I've been doing them for all my life. Springbok used to be a big brand name. I don't think they're around anymore, but yeah. others have risen up to be, there are someone just recommended Gallison by name. I don't know much about them, but, and this is, there's also very cool psychology, I think, involved here. What kind of puzzles do people like doing? 
Some people really like the Thomas Kincaid heartwarming, light glowing out of a house in wintertime scenes. Right. Other people like a big wilderness where it's mountains. And then you have, there's a sky time and a mountain time and a forest. You know what I mean? You have the various different sets of things. Colleen and I have discovered we often, and White Mountain does a lot of these. It's a tableau of a whole bunch of things that are variations on a theme laid out. A whole bunch of license plates so that you can actually right. find a license plate, the little logos per state and the different color combinations. It's donuts. It's Crayolas. It's all different kinds of things where there's a little intricacy to it. But because of all the colors that kind of have to match, you get hints again and again as to what kind of goes with what. So we like those. I like abstract art things where it's like a big spiral going in on itself. And so it, you really have to, you get some hints as to color matching, but it's also a lot of pattern matching just for the pieces itself. I really don't, I've never liked, you've seen these, right? Where it's all black and it's called, hey, welcome to hell. Or I remember one from Springbok that was called Little Red Riding Hood's Hood. And it was all red, <laughs> that kind of thing. And that, I don't know, I like the hints. I like that you're making a pretty picture instead of just an expanse. It's only about trying to find, because then I become mechanical about it. You line up where there's the little, the little tongues and the little holes and you try to just fit them in going along and I'm not getting any inspiration my brain isn't working out the part of it that says, find a light color, find something that, that must be the extension of the bridge that's going across the river, find all the bridge pieces, that kind of thing. So we'll see, you know what I mean? And also I, the, it's one of those things that we don't usually do marathon sessions. Once in a while you want to sit down and like it, it's middle of winter, hot cup, get a mug of coffee for her and hot cocoa for me. And you don't just do the puzzle. You like chatter and listen to music and have a nice time while you're doing this thing that isn't requiring your full attention <laughs> or it's you have it out and it stays out not to be done but just to be worked on while you walk past right. it every time you go into the kitchen you're like oh, piece. for a couple pieces exactly that so i just i don't know how to i'm really looking forward to having that activity back in our lives is something that she and I can share that it's not both of us looking at the screen. It's very physical <laughs> doing that kind of thing. And I love the treasure hunt of it. I love going to, I don't know, the library or Goodwill or something like that, or the swap meets and you'll be able to, Oh, that's just the kind of puzzle that I like. I didn't know that was even out there. So we'll see. We'll see. It might be. Anyway. I, I... No, I was just going to say one of the most insidious ones I've seen yeah. is like, a field of flowers that are like all similar, but then the puzzle has the same picture twisted 45 degrees on the other side. So both sides of the puzzle have the same picture just twisted. Yeah. They used to have something like that called the puzzler or a schmuzzle or something. Yeah. Printed and it was meant to be misleading in that way. Um, I like challenges. I like doing difficult things like that, but some part of it is also... It's I'm done thinking for the day. Let's work the puzzle a little right. bit. You know so, what I mean? It doesn't have to be. Here, here's what you really need to do. You need to go, wow, Colleen, we've got all this space now. I can move boxes of comics from the storage unit into the living room and put them throughout the house here. So I don't and tell her that. I'm sure that'll now go over real well. She already, she occasionally invokes the, maybe we should have a few less a few fewer white boxes because that's my instinct for like when we were cleaning up the office area you just throw it all away so things that were on the desk go into a box and that way you know that they're a little rolodex or a, a stapler or something like that but they have a like function and almost always before i put things away in a box i sort them so i had a whole bunch of magazines accumulated from the last year that actually were sitting on the steps going up and this is what freshly came in these are the ones that are read but are for her to read and there's actually a little bit of order to it 
But now I finally, it's time for them to go to storage. So I, of course, I alphabetize them because I want it to be 20. It wasn't 20. It was, in this case, only two. But in the course of the collection, you don't want to have 20 boxes of dog's dinner. You want to be able to go. If I'm looking for an issue of Entertainment Weekly, I can go to the e-boxes where there's Entertainment Weekly or Games Magazine. What do I say? That's not everything. Like Time and Newsweek and The Week are ephemeral. I've read them, but I saved a games magazine because I haven't always worked all the puzzles in it. So when it comes to the next month, I put the current one away, but I have in my mind that one day I'm going to return and finish all the darndest. <laughs> the possibility exists. And the possibility It's exists. less than zero. <laughs> exactly. And actually that's embarrassing. I get to things like I love Wired Magazine, but I probably read one out of three issues in its entirety. The, the new one always comes along before I finish the previous one. And so I have a collection of Wired and one of these days I'm going to be I'm going to read an article from an old one and be like, man, if I had been informed, I would have <laughs> been so much more conversant in that chat GPT is coming, that Bitcoin has these various different forks that are not, there's, they right. that one guy once said to me, and I've always talked about this with Wired, say, what are you reading there? And he goes, the next five years of life as we know it, Wired has always been prescient and really good about explaining here's why this is coming and how it, why it's going to matter and who's right. working on it and that kind of stuff so a lot of my awareness of the tech world in general the way technology is shaping the future has come from reading mondo 2000 reading wired reading those magazines that kind of specialize in that and the hard science ones have always done that discovery and omni and funny some of the ones i name are ones i really enjoyed and then they stopped being published and it's, man i really i'm missing my omni dose every month that used to yeah. be such great magazine there have always been magazines i've kept there's magazines that i got rid of wish i hadn't and there's magazines i've got that i'm like why am i keeping these we we have all that but every now and then online i'll run into an old issue of run magazine or bite or compute gazette from the 80s when i was just getting into computers when it was commodore and you had to type in program type it in exactly yeah and i'm looking at looking at the ads it's like you can buy a hundred five and a quarter inch discs and a new mouse for modern machines and like now i i got so many mice lying around now i toss them it really was an exciting time the mac's been around since the 80s and i remember reading like mac world and mac user and, and there were multiple Mac magazines. And it wasn't only just reading for the how-to articles about, hey, you're going to do Excel and this is it. It was all the ads that you became aware of. Oh my God, there finally is a database for the Macintosh so that all the things I've learned in Mainframeville, I can now do with Mac Lion or with FileMaker or with Fourth Dimension. And I, I just, I used to have all those kinds of things that I either sent away for or looked for them at, what was this place called? Einstein? I Um, remember I remember that Einstein, right? There was a little software shop and maybe that's one of the first places where you develop the go browse around the Einstein store. And then the prices are always super high there. So then I'll see whether I can order it online or from the back of the magazine and stuff going to Macworld, I used to have no lie. I put a suitcase inside another suitcase and then I would fill the, the second suitcase with all the software that I would acquire there because it was all much less expensive. And you got to really talk to the guys that developed it right. and see whether you thought it was legit or not. I'm enough of a geek that sometimes you want to you want to talk about whether it's capable of doing the specific purposes that you wanted to put it or just how do they compare themselves to their rivals. And then out of the four graphics packages, you pick the one that 
seems to be it already works well, but the guy is dedicated to improving it over the course of time. It does things that nobody else does. It has the most file formats that you can both bring in and export so that it's more compatible with everything you got going on. I used to be not just like a walk up and pay your money, but I was one of those guys who would really quiz the people at the booths because I really wanted, if I'm only going to buy one instead of four, you have to right. you have to choose right. which one you want. So Here's a name for you, and I yeah. bet this will bring back some memories. Computer Shopper. Remember the big Computer Dude, Shopper catalog? Exactly it was all ads, right? It was just yes. like two or three articles and then everything else. It's like Buyer's Guide to Comic Fandom used to be that. that yes. Columns, and were really good columns from, let's see, Mark lost his last name. But like Peter David wrote for them, and and but the rest of it was all the ads, and that's right. very much how I filled in my collection. Was I would look to see what was available, and even within the same magazine, you'd have, of course, based on condition, various different prices. And especially when I got out of college and had money, month after month, I was regularly ordering things from there to fill in the gaps in my Iron Man collection and my Fighter Man and whatever else it might be. Because you couldn't just wait for the one Comic Con for the year; you were continually. Going right. Or that was still all going into the 90s. That was the day of the electronic swap meets where it was like a big flea market yard sale of computer stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's that was one of the few places like now when I go to a pinball uh, show that is there's less pinballs to play, they still have the cool vendor tables that were very much like that computer thing of you're looking for a specific cable that's male on this end and female on the other, and it's not regularly produced, but I know how to make cables. So one guy had everything I might need to attach a SCSI device to my, my I loved that, that they were knowledgeable and many of them were doing it out of the love of the hobby. They weren't looking to, I'm the only one that makes this, so I priced it appropriately <laughs> to screw you over. It just, and I, I that thing of walking into a place that has those kinds of vendors, it's like the doors to Oz to me. Like you wondered whether there were people that really did have every single kind of thing you might need to repair a pinball game with. And now there's not just one, but five. It's very cool to discover that people have that that hobby, that love of that so deep in them that they want to enable everybody else to keep their computers running, to keep their games running. Very cool. It, it was a totally different time too, because especially when the 486 PCs were around, they, that was the thing. Oh, you never have to buy another computer. You can continuously upgrade and swap. It's at some point you've bought another computer because you've upgraded everything, except right. maybe the case. You can't always put CPUs and stuff on old motherboards. You have to get a new motherboard and interfaces right. change. So th I remember yeah. that time them saying, oh, you'll never buy another computer, just upgrade it. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you, you're not going to upgrade you one part. matched, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember buying memory. Oftentimes things came with a certain amount of memory and over the course of time, the price of memory would come down for that particular configuration. So I remember the little memories, they looked like a little like the cab you put on the top of a pickup truck. They were that right. shape long and they'd have three chips in each little sleeve. And then that total of that would be 16. Was it even 16 meg back then? 16 yeah. K? Uh, date yourself by saying, whoa, God, I remember finding a, like a hundred meg drive. Right. Was, How will we ever fill this? This is amount of space. And now of course we're talking eight terabytes on a thumb drive I, I, right on, on a thumb drive on a little thing that you know so it was very cool to know enough about that to be able to say okay i've read about let's see 
from the backs of magazines who are the like cheap Asian knockoffs. And that's a sorry way to say it, but it, back then that's it, what it all was. Yeah. If you tried to find something reputable. You stuck with major dealers for certain components and other things like, I don't know, it doesn't matter if I try a mouse for 20 bucks and it doesn't work perfectly. It sure matters if I try buying memory that doesn't work. And again, to geek it up, remember trying to find memory errors that you'd yeah. actually the diagnostic that would say it's going to be in it didn't even have a slot specific it was like it's in this row and so you'd swap things out and play that little puzzle game of okay i know it's one of these three what's the least number of swaps i have to do to identify exactly which one of these three <laughs> and and it really now i got to replace this i really there's no way to fix this in order right. to get the and it used to be that you had two or four banks of memory and if anything was wrong in a bank you didn't get that mag or something and, like that. And you had to match your memory. You had to have two memories that were the same size of memory to put. Yeah. It would go to the lowest, the slowest speed of anything that was in that row was then what it would do. And some things were self-diagnosing, but others were just, it wouldn't work. And you'd have to figure out why. I remember having to read, they had little, it wasn't just, hey, this is four megabytes. It had some arcane coding on there and each manufacturer had different things. So you had to go read the manual. How do I know exactly what this is supposed to be? And sometimes you could just leave them out and say, this is not like the others. Somehow they screwed up my order and they sent me something that doesn't match the rest. Anyway, that again, to geek it up, but it used to be exciting to figure that out, but it was, was, I just want it to work. You right. Know what, I mean? like, what do I want this? I want to swap well, all this in place. And or if you actually tried to use multiple hard drives, you'd have to move that little jumper on the back. Is it a master or not? And... Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? That and uh, Max had you know SCSI drives where he had a number from like zero to seven, and he had a have you should have them in order along the chain because it it did that little serial. It wasn't. It was supposed to be that it was all one. Let me kind of say this. It didn't matter what number it was. It didn't really matter that it was a number in order. But if you wanted to be able to do it human friendly, of course, you'd have to go from zero to seven along the chain. And once <laughs> in a while, it would be now the cable length matters. You know that everything should be maybe right. four to six inches or less, because then the total thing couldn't be like more than 25. And you're up at right. 24. And you're like, I can see that this is fading away once in a while. To really geek it up, back when I was working on gambit on my genetic algorithm based trading systems this was late 1900s early 2000s really late 1900s i had to have a whole bunch of data on uh, that i could tap into and it wasn't online so i had multiple cd wasn't even dvds yet cd players like four in the same housing but you could address each of the discs multiple stacks of that because i had bought date data from Telerate, Reuters, various different financial data suppliers. And I had to have it all available to me because that's the kind of thing you're doing is looking for patterns in past data and then doing testing to show that it isn't, it's predictive without giving you false positives and you can't make it perfect. So you're just doing tons of access to a large amount of data. And they, my getting it working was a triumph that I really had this much when I would talk to people about how I have it set up. And I'd say, I got all these various different things and it's cozy addressable, but it actually is one big drive to it. And like, they would be taking notes to tell me about that because I want to do that too. And I was, and, and then once in a while it would not work 
and you'd check everything to make sure that it, the housing was correct, not that you had bumped the table and something right. had worked its way out. And just how often I'm living in this virtual world, but physically, everything really mattered, that nothing overheated, nothing came unattached. I actually had a, a big, a Mac Pro, back when it was a tower case and everything, <laughs> overheat because one of the fans stopped working. And I'm up here in Skynet in the attic, and we were gone for a weekend. And that was enough to fry things on my system. I couldn't believe it. I was like, shouldn't there be like redundant fans? Shouldn't there be the range? Like it didn't get to 120 degrees up here. It's not like I'm out in Death Valley. And yet computers put out a lot of heat. And unless you circulate the heat away from them, they will try themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I had wake up calls about, hey, you know, how they say everybody either has lost data or is going to. I got really religious about backups because I just, I was able to retrieve all kinds of stuff off the drives, off that machine, but not in that machine. I had to get another machine. And then I got one of those cool, you can attach any drive to it of various different kinds, whether it was the PC and Mac, and then run various different softwares on it, you know, that it's not operating. You fried the directory. The directory was gone, but the data was still there. And I did some pretty tense times of it's not, oh no, I've done all this work of ripping CDs or digitizing CDs and I don't want to redo all the work. It was data that I could not recreate without redoing it worth hundreds of thousands of dollars because that's what my time is worth. You know what I mean? So I was really hope this works because you know what's going to short it out now my tears because it's not working on the first and second and the third try and i'm like make sure that i have lots of circulation up here and always have fans blowing on my stuff you'll learn painfully sometimes yeah, i don't know absolutely. if you ever had a meltdown like that or anything but i that was my worst experience oh was... yeah you, you come in and you start working you're like what's that clicking noise oh man it's a hard drive clicking that, that little it, i did some work for a friend of mine kevin and he had an office in Hudson that I used to go to, and they had a server room. They had all kinds of stuff in the server room. And one drive started to have problems. One of the people working there closed the door to the server room because it was making noise and they didn't want to hear it. And that accelerated, exacerbated what was going wrong. And I had to do all kinds of, again, data recovery. And things were more sophisticated then that I was able to actually retrieve a whole bunch of stuff. But I like... I didn't realize that people were so naive about computers that you can't have them running in the 150 degree boiler room. This isn't going to work down in a Birmingham steel mill. And that's what you created by closing the door, right. and putting out tons of heat. Oh, I just heard some lawsuit news oh. article and I don't remember this very specific details, but it was basically some genetics company that had some samples under very cold temperatures and had to be regulated and they were doing tests and they were working on some drugs or something. It was, but it was like these samples had been in this storage for 14 years or something. And they planned for another decade and a half or whatever. Right. And the one unit started to go bad and it gave them a, an alarm and it was beeping and they knew that they were ordering one. The maintenance guy came in that night and it's, oh, this is not working. I'll help him out. And he unplugged it. And he it unplugged like ruined it. Exactly. decades of research. I remember that story. Exactly that. I know that there's also people have pursued the idea of if I go into cryo suspension, then they'll cure my brain cancer. In a hundred years. In a hundred years. And I've heard of a couple of those places that they lost. They guarantee, absolutely guarantee we got quadruple redundancy. And yet things can happen where they get an earthquake 
and there's no power and your UPSs aren't going to hold out and no matter what you do to run a generator and all that kind of stuff. So similar, not only a decade worth of data, but like people, you know what I right. mean? The idea that they would ever recover is not yet proven. You know what I mean? You just really have to overcome the crystallization problem. And the, But having said that's the business that they were in could be defeated just by that, by, right. hey, we defrosted them. We didn't mean to. They're gone. Oh. Hey, so I got, so we talked about movies and stuff and we briefly talked about Secret Invasion. So I want to get back to that from last week. But real quick, I went and saw the Mission Impossible movie over the weekend. Oh, really? And okay. I I loved it. It was great. I love those movies. I saw some reports saying, oh, it's a failure and stuff. I'm like, my theater was packed. It was packed all weekend long. I'm like, I ignore that crap anymore because, but the most exciting thing was there was some guy that was either very drunk or very high. And the cops came in, in the middle of the movie and drug him out, struggling. And escorted him out. Yeah. Oh, it was more than an escort. Oh, he, was, okay. he was in the right. Cause <laughs> was he was, yeah. yeah, he was very loud. And, my ticket and everybody else gets to share my drunkenness. Yeah. Okay. So good. That, that's yeah. very satisfying when finally once in a while, it, Someone and better yet, they won't get and, off their goddamn phone and they won't oh, shut up and they won't, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so. Better yet, every couple minutes for the whole movie, an usher would walk through and we saw the cop walk through a couple more times. So, and, yeah, I was like, that's cool. So Secret Invasion. I'm think, not impressed. OK, <laughs> so let's go into that. What is not impressed? Where's your thoughts on it? Me and Colin oh, have talked a lot about the series. Right. Big thoughts first. I really like the ingenuity of continuity that you have to go with what has gone before and make once in a while there's retro conning where you make things that weren't talked about in the past, but you add to it so it doesn't just say, oh, that was always a dream. That was always just crap. <laughs> so much the secret invasion is those people that you thought were those people all those years, they weren't. Right. That you can't trust anything. And very unsettling thought to me. And I think that they're doing it cavalierly. Like there's been a couple reveals that, and again, totally not spoilers, but no, there's no way that a scroll without having full knowledge and experience, and they're showing the scroll technology where they're able to actually absorb the memories of the past. Yeah. But I just, I want to have some confidence that you really can't imitate someone so exactly that it's not just casual hey, I could have a conversation for an hour at dinner and have them never suspect me, but can they do their job? They, when they, I don't like that they're undoing so much, and I didn't like the comic book series that went into this either. I thought this was one of Brian Michael Bendis's biggest failures was him just throwing out that as a minute that we suspected something like that was going on, wouldn't they have come up with scroll detectors? Wouldn't they have come up with some way of being able to say, we can't let ourselves be infiltrated like this? There's yeah. got to be a blood test, retina thing from the Thing movie, where it's like, we can test, we can make sure that we, whatever the random X factor is that's in here, you can look for it. This is weird. I don't think Nick Fury is a great leading character. I think that he's irascible and too random and doesn't, he acts as if he has a master plan, but I think that he doesn't and he's making things up and that he's all front, that I think he's just, I'm looking forward to saying that he's really going to pull out something at the end. As I knew all along and it was all just a trap that I laid for you and stuff. But while we're getting there, I'm just not impressed. Like he's not likable. He's not, maybe he's semi-competent, but he he's not a hero. I don't find him being heroic. I don't find, I just, there's, maybe I'm in the wrong mood. 
about well, this. But I'm just, there's so many aspects that I enjoy about heroic things, about heroes versus villains, and about, I guess, I'm just not enjoying it. Other things I'm so enthusiastic about, yeah, a good battle sequence, or what? how nice to have some romance in the middle of all of the peril that they put themselves through. And I think that this is just lazy, or what do you think? No, I, I'm agreeing with all that. I, Colin and I have been talking about it, and he's it's just not holding my interest. And I'm like, can you really tell me what the plot is and what the, what the, we're trying to accomplish with the series? It's, it's not clear at all what the story is. The story is so muddled, I, you can't figure out what exactly is going on and why. And then I you don't care. trying to do a whole bunch of parallels with how, where we are now with maybe it's some Cold War stuff where you really, you know, what, the, yeah. what Germany and Russia suffer from is that your neighbors informed on you. They really weren't anywhere near your friends and allies. And what would society do if they found out that everybody was like that? You couldn't trust anybody. So maybe there are some things about terrorism now because that's some of, so much of the tactics. How does a small force attack a larger force is by doing those things that make wreak havoc in society, but in an asymmetric way, instead of boots on the ground, troops against right. troops, heel, that kind of thing. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, no, that's it's yeah. It, that's just my biggest thing is what is the actual story? What are we trying to accomplish? It's not been clear. It's not been straightforward, and I think that's ruining it quite a bit. People don't care, and in each episode, it's not really. There's no tension. There's no excitement. I'm not saying everything has to be an Avengers battle, but right. this or doesn't a cliffhanger or something. But I just maybe that's it. I'm not seeing like the progression towards. Oh, there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff. Exactly. We're only in episode eight out of twelve or whatever. And I'm like, I'm just watching it out of Marvel habit. What yeah. Say compared to like She-Hulk, which was refreshing. A lot of people yes. didn't like it, but it sure held my interest. I thought it was great about the characters that they brought in and that there really are legal as well as extra legal things going on and daredevil and the defenders they had a clear villain and why they would need to have them team up there's been at least motivation i just rewatched the iron man movie because i may be in a fit of angst over the latest thing not being that good let's go back to have they always been like this no the right. first iron man movie is fantastic. is fantastic robert downey jr inhabits the character so much of what he does and why they do it and all the supporting characters, Happy Hogan and Pepper Potts and all that kind of stuff. It's really well done and well paced. And you like, can't wait to see the final big battle. And look, when's the next movie? I can't wait to see the next one. I don't know that I'm going to have that feeling over Secret Invasion. I'm not going right. to be, oh, we're in season two. Well, we've got Ahsoka, but that's Star Wars. And that looks really good. I'm hoping okay. Loki season two is really good. But see, yeah. And that's interesting to compare and contrast. Loki did a whole bunch of unsettling stuff. The minute they brought the TVA and the whole multiverse thing in, and that's my biggest complaint with the multiverse in comic books and maybe now in movies and TV shows, is that it made people lazy. Nobody right. died, really. It wasn't ever, oh, my God, he's dead. That's such a tragedy. So we'll just get the replacement from Earth 615 instead of 616. Sorry that he has a third eye, but we'll get over that. You know what I mean? It's. I think that there really are cool plots for looking at divergent futures and different dimensions and that kind of stuff. And some writers, Ellis, Ennis, I'm trying to think who else has worked in that way. Grin Grinwald did really cool things about the what-if type stuff and that what-if wasn't only a speculation it was a window into another dimension or another right. timeline or something like that x-men 
way back to days of future past and things like that, did great work with, wow, the world really went to hell. How do we prevent that future? And then the whole butterfly theory of what tweaks do we make here to stop it? But then you don't know what the only effects of that tweak might be. And so there, there still seemed to be gravity and it mattered that you, what choices you made. I just read, bear with me, the, I want to think of the exact word, a whole dimension that was based on, the, it's like the redo dimension. The way that somebody was getting ahead was trying various different things. And then when that didn't work, he just retreated back to the last branch point and tried something different. Uh, so the I, video I, game says pollination of that idea from one to the other but it sure takes away the you made a choice and now you got to live with it that instead someone has and i was always actually i've made uh, mention of this before one of the cooler kang plot lines of ever now that kang is becoming the next big bag in the marvel universe was there's a series of avengers where he had, bat had battles with them and then kang was defeated and went off to the future he healed up gathered more troops did some more research and made better weapons and then he came back and not like the same number of years that it has taken him. He came back like five minutes after the battle. So everybody is exhausted and battered. And here's Kang all fresh and perky and menacing again. And that thing, that that wearing you down war of attrition that a speedster can do or a time traveler can do, that's actually a very, it's difficult to dismiss that. Every time that you have a speedster, it's like, why didn't he just like, go and kill everyone before right. they can anything about it you know what i mean that's one of the things i always liked about alpha flight you had north star and aurora who were the speedsters they could go fast right. but neither of them had super strength or anything like that they were just pretty normal but north star would go speeding around somebody and just punch them a thousand times in a second at normal exactly. strength <laughs> I, there was a spider-man plot where it was mr brownstone i think kevin smith might have written this where We've had teleporters in the past, like the Vanisher, way early in the X-Men, where you can go around the world, you can break, go into a bank vault, whatever else it might be. Brownstone was like a limited power teleporter where he couldn't even teleport his own mass. But what could he do? Um, teleport a bolt into your brain, teleport some heroin into your bloodstream. He just was, by appearing to be a normal guy, he could be very effective as an assassin because he could do just the thing to damage your heart, to damage your brain, to like wreck a machine. And I thought that was an interesting innovation on Kevin Smith's part, that people can be really dangerous without having to be Galactus level. You know what I mean? You don't have to control gravity. You have to control a little bit of gravity where someone is next to a cliff and oops, a little extra gravity and they went over. You know what? I guess secret invasion, that's why I'm not happy with that. But Loki, the way that they dealt with multiverse type stuff, was still interesting oh my god an alligator loki maybe it's a crocodile i didn't look closely enough I, I, as the joke goes it depends on whether i'll see him later or see him in a while but anyway <laughs> <laughs> and the wandavision thing from what i understand there's now a series about agatha harkness yeah that was her kind of secret enemy but not there's a whole bunch of cool stuff going on there with they're actually tapping into comic books where a throwaway line in an early Fantastic Four was she always appeared as like a white-haired elder woman. And someone that saw beyond appearances said, what are you talking about? You're like 20 years old. So that whole thing of who is she really and how, what is, how does she appear? Does she always have a glamour on? And does she do that to set off oh, how harmless this old woman is with her pet cat and all that kind of stuff when actually she's 
like a vital sorceress that is right. doing that to fool people. Just but there's a kid villain. And who thinks that kid's going to be able to punch your lights out? But they, etc. I'm looking forward to Loki. I wish that they did more Eternals. I thought that there was interesting stuff set up. So like we talked about, I don't really care about the sequel to Secret Evasion. Maybe I will. But I know there's some things that I was left hanging. And I'm like, I want more adventures of etc. Et yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. This whole fourth phase has not pulled me in. And I, I know that's not necessarily because everything sucks. We went through some really good stuff up to Endgame. They built it up. We got introduced to great characters. So now let's do that again with completely different characters. And so they were always battling that uphill battle with that. I totally get that. And not everything has sucked, but Black Widow, Shang-Chi, the Eternals, I'm like, these don't fit in with anything. And they were okay. What's interesting is I like that someone, maybe on one of the, the many comic book review and commentary sites, they said, you know, it seems so small scale compared to what they had done uh, building up to the Avengers Endgame. And what I liked was, I love that they're experimenting. You really have a big world out there of those comic books have been able, if they've never been the bestseller, they still sold 100,000 copies. So there is a market for, and maybe a little, a little bit of diversity, there's a market for lady superheroes, there's a market for Asian superheroes, there's a market for vampires, you know what I mean? Get right. Morbius, as well as Blade. I like the fact that they're trying those things. And I thought that some of, I really like Morbius. I really like Moon Knight, that you can still tell a great story without it having to be the galactic level menace of the week, that it really can be fighting crime in Hell's Kitchen. And that the conflict with the Kingpin is itself incredibly dramatic and important. It just isn't fighting against that. The next, I want to conquer the universe. I want to kill half the world, half the gulf, right. half the that kind of thing agreed agreed i think part of it could be my mood i might be a little beyond another decade of superhero movies i'll definitely give you that i don't know it's just those three movies particularly i watched them went yeah they were okay they didn't pull me in oh man that was so cool right. colin disagrees but... was really good the second shazam movie was very derivative and i just didn't get much out of it and i really I'm such an easy sell on a comic book movie. I just, so many of these things, I've waited all my life to see them done well right. in quote, real life. And so then once in a while, they just don't get what the character is about. And I always think that's sad. Did you not get someone who understands the archetype anyway? Right. And once in a while, just, oh, they didn't have the budget to do this well. And it seems amazing to me because well, every comic book movie seems to have a hundred million dollar budget. And yet you can tell where, or they didn't pick the best story. If I was in a pick a story to introduce that character to the world, is that exactly the Moon Knight sequence that I would have chosen or exactly the She-Hulk? And sometimes they choose amongst various different things and they conglomerate them together. And once in a while, there's a really good showrunner and scriptwriter that does that. And once in a while, it's, man, you're just, I, yeah. you're not, I don't agree with your taste. I don't right. agree with the choices as to what you think are the highlights of the She-Hulk run. John Byrne, you could have stuck all the way through with John Byrne and then Dan Slott. There are certain authors that really captured the essence of a character and others like they did a good six or 12 issue run but it didn't wasn't world quality and, so. and my my one argument and i know this isn't everybody's cup of tea but recently the number 10 of fast and the furious came out and then whatever the new mission impossible number eight or whatever it is and right. both of them are the finals for the series and they're both one the first part of two-part movies both of them are like that and Honestly, I went into Fast X. I'm like, 
it is what it is. It's a heist race car movie with over-the-top right. testosterone. It's why I see it. I enjoy it. I thought 10 was better than nine. Nine, just, I was like, oh my God, this one's not my favorite, but number 10, I liked better. I went yeah. into Mission Impossible and I just over the last couple of weeks, I watched the last couple again and I enjoy them. Nice action, good plots and fun and all that. I thought 10 was fantastic. I saw it the other night and I'm like, this is probably one of my favorite Mission Impossible movies now. So See, you I, can I, do I it. That's cool. That, that, it really speaks to the amazing feat of having a long-standing series like the James Bonds or Doctor Who or things that have been around for decades, multiple generations, multiple actors inhabiting the role and multiple right. and stuff like that. And then they talk about it in the eras now for Doctor Who. It's like, are you that they really do have different sensibilities, complexions as to who they brought in that was the overall director, the showrunner is a better way to put it, of all those kinds of things. And sometimes there are low points, but then sometimes they come roaring back with a different, maybe better doctor or a different, right. a different way to treat the Daleks or whatever else it might be. So I, that's another one of those things that it Mission Impossible, I guess, is good. I think that out of those, let's say, 10 movies, like seven out of the 10 are as good as the next 100 movies that are out currently. Yeah. It's not like that you start comparing between movies in that series but you shouldn't lose sight of the fact that like maybe star wars same thing there have been good and not so good star wars movies but in the overall and they're better than 90 percent of the crap that's out there sturgeon's law 90 percent of everything is crap and i have unfortunately whatever that 11 o'clock hey i'm gonna do a little social media maybe play some hearts online i'm gonna watch some movie and i've watched some really good unexpected delights like we just found deadlock that i mentioned really a fun series tasmanian i never watched tasmanian tv before but i've also how many not only have i sat through multiple things but there's any number of movies that in the first 15 minutes this is not worth my time it's <laughs> not my interest i don't like the characters it's not making sense already you know what i mean i just there's been all kinds of things like i don't know so if it's a $100 million movie, they caught, they put $20 million into making this and it's crap? What the hell? <laughs> I don't <Right>. know. <laughs> so tell me about Deadlock, because you mentioned it, but we didn't really get a chance to talk about what service is it on? Let's see. I think Amazon Prime. Okay. Amazon Prime or Netflix. They were interchangeable that, because they've got such a world of stuff out there. Yeah, they both do. Um, They're getting lots of global stuff that you wouldn't exactly. see. And I saw something the other day on, was it maybe Amazon, where it was a show, but they offered it in five languages, versions. And I'm like, wow. See, I, I really will enjoy that more because there's been, there's been any number of things. For instance, I know that Norway, Sweden, probably Norway, does like great police procedurals. But if it's been translated, then I can still give it my partial attention while I'm doing other things, folding laundry or doing my computer thing. Right. Subtitles like Squid Game, I really have to watch it to see what's going on. And there's not many things I must admit besides going to a theater that I give my undivided attention. And I don't think it's because I'm Mr. Doesn't Pay Attention. It just is most things don't require your full brain power right. to know what's going on. If they really did that, that this is a cool thing that they've done in English as well as Spanish and Farsi and Swedish and whatever else it might be. So Deadlock is set in Tasmania, and so it's got, I love places where the locale is one of the characters, if you will. It really has, they show cool 
views of it's an island with some mountains on it. And so there's automatically, to go from place to place, you're immediately out of town. There's not big cities on Tasmania, and especially this is not, at least. I'm trying to think of what the capital is, Hobart, maybe? Sorry for all of our Australian and Tasmanian and New Zealander people if I've totally mixed up because I'm just a super <laughs> Westerner. They, the, it's got a small town feel because there really is... This is the person that owns the bar. This is the person that fixes cars, whatever else it might be. There's a little bit of intrigue because even in small towns, you get people falling in and out of love, people getting bent out of shape about being jilted or et cetera. There's the, the, it, it is, of course, the um, let's call her the sheriff. I think she's really the police constable, the chief constable of the place. But she's got cool people working for her that each they're not hard-boiled New York detectives, this woman's getting ready to be married. And even though she's very smart, she is too small and pretty to not be dismissed by the bluff asshole guys on the show. Of course, then that matters, you know what I mean? <laughs> that right. they shouldn't have dismissed her. How confident she's going to prove to be. And it, of course, it's they find out that, okay, someone is found dead on a beach. And okay, so first you have to figure out it looks not like a no, he drowned tragedy, that he's actually kind of like Posed, and so immediately, ding, ding, ding! Everybody has seen TV. That's a serial killer recreating something. And of course, the person sent down from Darwin is they want to fix this little thing in this little town and then go home, and they don't want it to be declared a serial killer because now it's a real investigation. So there's a certain conflict and dynamic between the big city bluff lady detective as well as the lady constable. And it's funny to have it screaming from today's headlines. There's a big conflict in this little town, Deadlock, where, oh no, too many lesbians are there now. Like, <laughs> that somehow because the lesbian owns the art gallery and the donut store, and oh no, the chief of police, that all the guys that want to be their traditional guy I'm in charge thing, they're not, maybe they're not quite outnumbered, but they just can't stand that this thing is an apparent part of life instead of keep that to yourself. Don't ask, don't tell type stuff. So they play very good with the social conflicts that we're going through about acceptance of there's no quality that you can attribute to a lesbian that is how you want to insult them and yet they can't stop themselves from doing that and and as you might imagine some of the guys are the asshole stereotype males that can't stand that other guys are they're just confused and they're trying to figure out what how do i operate in this new world where you you want to go up to somebody in the bar and say hey i'm interested and then have to not only say not you, but not your entire gender, <laughs> that kind of thing. And that it isn't that gay and or lesbian are only attracted to their kind. There are bisexual people. There are, so it, there's a, and it's funny, that's not the main thing of it, but they definitely don't shy away from in a small town, if that was an obvious factor. So it's very smart, like any good procedural and murder mystery about how they keep on putting each week, it's, oh, it must be that guy. It must be that gal. And then, of course, you didn't know all the information, and the show was good at not hiding it from you. It follows the investigation, so you're right with them when they find out, oh, they got an alibi, or oh, no, they couldn't do that. It's very good about keeping you guessing till the very, very end. And I like that, but we've often talked about by episode two, if you can say, that's the guy, then it's like seeing it play out. But it's not a cool, clever experience, and this one really was good. And in the overall, it's got a great sense of humor. While it's doing it, it's not just ever building tension and, oh my God, this poor small town is being menaced. It's like, 
everybody is treating it like a lark that whenever there's sometimes when there's a new body discovered what was wrong with them this time that you have to out of dark humor cope with the potential of something terrible going on you don't want to think your neighbor's the killer you don't want yeah, to think yeah that. yeah you want to think you might be next so it really does capture a lot of like how human beings cope with even in the middle of this the football game has to go on football meeting real football soccer the village festival the mayor is determined to have it go on even though some of the things that are like the bodies keep being discovered in just the wrong places to have a happy festival and i just i'm gushing about it because it's so nice to find something that kept Colleen and I, both of our interests, and we both really liked it. We're fooled to the end. We're looking forward to the next episode. So all the things that we just talked about, about how a secret invasion isn't, boy, dead law. The H, by the way, dead law pronunciation. High recommendation. Nice, okay. <laughs> Back with the murder she wrote with Jessica Fletcher. So you wait for that one character to go, Jessica, we're on a small island, and we get tons of dead bodies Ever since you've been around, maybe we need to kick you off this island. You exactly. <laughs> That's been put forward in comic books, you know, that the reason there's so many crazy Bat- Gotham City villains is because Batman inspires insanity. Yeah. You know, they go like, he caught the Joker, but I could commit my crimes and not get caught, or I could be more brutal than Killer Croc. Maybe. You know what I mean? That it, that they have regularly, that's a big part, Frank Miller had that very much in The Dark Knight Returns, that they're showing there's a real love-hate but like the bonded relationship between Batman and the Joker, the Joker calling Batman darling because he wouldn't exist without him, et cetera, right. et cetera. And, so. and you got the damage <laughs> incorporated, which they showed a bit in Spider-Man. Is right. what about the aftermath of all this yeah. battle? Trillions of dollars and who's cleaning <laughs> that up and the tech and that caused problems with Spider-Man and Vulture and stuff. So That's I'm glad they throw that stuff in a little bit. Makes it... Yeah easier rather than just everything's superpower battle boom (laughs) in fact again because i'm just having to deal with the multiverse is this into the spider-verse movie the second version of the second one both were really good in terms of they they did have all the cool variants on what spider-man might be in various different timelines and generations and then having some of them meet wasn't that a joy a delight to have the various different spider-men like it was just the coolest thing to like each of these guys has inhabited the role and did a good job and that they had the lack of ego to not say, I'm not going to deal with my successor. He took my job. That instead they were happy to still be part of the overarching Marvel universe. And they knew that the fans would be delighted by those guys. Yep. The story itself is still a good story. And you got Miles's development. Yeah. Some people could argue that, Oh, I didn't like, that they kept miles out of it or, Oh, this, but the fact that some people liked it and some didn't shows it's a good story that, it, that not everybody just went. Eh. <laughs> I'll tell you one of the things I, that I'm really excited about. I know we're keeping track of time. Yep. The authority, one of my favorite planetary and the authority for like the nineties were such the best comic books going on. They really looked at superheroics and galactic, let's say world level conflicts in a way that really lets you, if you were really a superpower guy, you wouldn't just wait for a criminal to commit a crime. You might go take care of things before they happen. Kill the dictator. You know what I mean? And make it so that he stops rampaging in his country. Cure diseases, et cetera, et cetera. It, it give new technology to the world that's going to make the world better. So each of them dealt with that in their own way. Much more the authority than that. But as you might imagine, the authority is, wow, here's some guys. They're just heroes 
who are they to tell us what to do, even though they are indeed a sun god that absorbs energy from the sun? And so the moneyed interests might say, I don't want you to expose me. And the cart that I've been running for a long time, making skillions of dollars, I could, with my money, buy all kinds of maybe ways to kill you, maybe ways to menace you, maybe that kind of thing. I control and, more than you realize. Exactly. And so that's being made into a movie. And I'm really looking forward to seeing, because there were multiple series, again, worn out. No. Yes. I think it was Warren Ellis. I, it's funny. They really they really do both great work, but I don't always remember who did who. So Warren Ellis wrote some stuff and Garth Ennis wrote Preacher, but I, and I'm thinking it's Warren Ellis that did Authority and, and Planetary. And the fact that he could maintain those series going on for a while and a great artist at Frank Quitely, they had one of my favorite, Brian Hitch. Anyway, that we'll see what they do with those as movies. And they're big scale. You know what I mean? They're going to have to be a lot of money going into it. And Authority is not really part of the trinities at each company it's not superman batman wonder woman it's not spider-man iron man they're a relatively lesser known type thing but i'm hoping that they give it the treatment of watchmen where the story itself is really good and if you tell it it'll talk about like the trials and tribulations of heroes in a way that it's really cool to humanize them and also have it be not only are they human but they and they really have powers but they might have some flaws and what goes on because of that? Do they get tired? Do they get embittered? Do they right. get, yeah. you know, are they so sure of themselves that they make mistakes out of hubris? I'm looking forward to seeing what's done there. So authority, let's see that turn out. So this may be off of your radar, but there's a new teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie coming out. I did saw the preview at the last time. We okay. And, and Colin, Colin's been super excited. So I watched the trailer and talked to him and I'm getting excited for it. And I'm not a big Turtles guy, but it's, cgi it's computer graphics but done in a claymation style it's That's done exactly by what Seth... i was noticing is yeah. it's not cartoony it's not realistic it's yeah. some combination. exactly and yeah. seth rogan's in charge of it who okay. uh, super nerd and the, just some of the voices like jackie chan is splinter <laughs> and i think the personalities of the kids look real so i'm excited mm-hmm. about that movie coming up so we'll see i think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is single-handedly responsible for kids knowing Raphael, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Leonardo. Like absolutely, that otherwise they don't fade into obscurity, but they got a whole nother life besides. Oh, they did good art too. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. So of course, I, you always wonder about mutant, and if one of them was Picasso, like having two eyes on the side of his head. Or... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They could go with the artist being part of. It. In fact, this is funny. I keep intending to do this. There are people that absolutely know what color eye band goes with what character, and I have never internalized that. Raphael so, is so, red, Leo is the I forget the other two, which who's who. Because you know that someday at pub quiz or at some Mensa culture quest, they're gonna ask that, and I want to be able to go, bam, I got them all. So I'm gonna have to internalize that one of these days. <laughs> all right, I do have to get running. I got something coming up okay. in just a few. Yeah, always a pleasure. I, it's funny. We're catching up on top topics that we had before, but there's cool things coming up that not only are movies coming out and TV shows going on, but uh, we'll talk about latest book series and all of our geekery things. We yes. keep talking about revisiting the big outline, but it almost seems to be running on its own now. <laughs> yeah. There's enough current. And only, I keep intending to tell you about co- crossword puzzles. I'm not sure if as big a fan as I am, but I am continually astounded. Crossword puzzles have been around for a hundred years. And the fact that someone can still do something new in that 
15 square medium come up with a cool new theme arrangement. It's just, it's a monument to human ingenuity that they can do something to surprise you in something that should have been just wrote after a while. No, they're still so clever. Nice. <laughs> we'll talk about that. All okay. right, man. I'll talk to you later. Take care. Have fun, Stephen. Okay. Bye-bye. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, RelentlessGeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.